my friend was broke. She didn't know what to do or where to turn. I'm Nora Ellen. The reason I began this podcast called Women Starting Over is to help women like my friend who find themselves in financial hardship, like divorce, or lost their job or went bankrupt, or maybe, sadly, their husband passed away. You will love these real-life stories of my guests of how they went from being broke to hope to financial success. If she can do it, so can you. Here we go. My guest began her career working for corporate companies in sales and sales management with expertise including business-to-business selling, large complex deals, and negotiations. She then went out on her own and founded Vine Sales Consulting in 2016. She helps small to medium-sized businesses optimize their sales teams and revenue to grow. I'm really excited to have Trish. Welcome, Trish, to the show. Thank you, Nora. (laughs) She is going to help you know how do you go from working for someone else, using your blood, sweat, tears, talent, and time to make somebody else money rather than than yourself, rather than being your own consultant. I read a statistic the other day, and I think it was by Intuit, that in the next few years, 40% of people working may be consultants. And that could be as a result of what we're going through right now uh, with this COVID thing. So Trish, tell us how did you grow up and... Uh, we want to talk about your money thermostat and what impacted you with money and income and take it from there. Well, I grew up in rural Kansas. So I felt um, recently in the last few months with COVID and having to stay home a lot, I felt particularly prepared for that because um, if you've ever been in rural Kansas in the summer when school was out and you were not able to drive because you weren't old enough, you didn't have a lot to do. So working, anytime you got a chance to work, help out doors, help haul hay, help put up fence, help do anything, it was usually somewhat exciting because there just wasn't a lot to do back uh, before computers and internet and cable TV. In the country so you had to read a lot you had to work a lot and um i i was brought up in a, a, a blue blue collar family um i am a first generation college grad so my family is very hard working wow they had um we were from oklahoma so mid midwest and southern values mm-hmm. and cool. a lot of that uh one of the biggest impacts probably was in addition to where we were from was the fact that we grew up in a Baptist church. So we had a lot of discipline and a lot in a good way Mm -hmm. and a lot of um, integrity built into our work ethic and work, work was important and work was valued. So I felt, I feel like I had great leaders in my parents in terms of the work ethic that I inherited from them. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, were they farmers or tell me a little more about what they did? Um, no, my mom was a homemaker mm-hmm. and my father was a 
um, he worked at a Ford plant. He was the hmm. uh, parts plant. He was the op. Ended up being in operations. He was promoted from you know loading uh, railroad cars to being eventually when he retired Ford, the one job he ever had. Mm-hmm. He retired as the uh, facilities manager for a big parts distribution plant in Kansas. Okay, so basically. All right, your mom at home and your dad working. That's wonderful. They gave you a good work ethic. Did they talk much about money or like when you worked, when you said you were working, did you get paid money or that was something like in the olden days, everybody just helped out. Everybody (laughs) didn't always charge. (laughs) Uh Oh, Trish. In the summertime. And that was a lot. That was, that was hard work. Uh, hauling hay's hard work but in terms of money concepts from my parents uh, i will say one of the things that if if anybody listening is a parent that i did most from my mother is because you know, mom was home right mm-hmm. she always even when i was little i remember being in kindergarten asking her money questions like how do checks work and wow. you know can't, i remember <laughs> going to the grocery store one time and she, I asked for some. She said, "We'll have to wait until the next payday." And I said, "Well, can't you just write a check for it?" Right? I was ah, in kindergarten, wow. but my mom bothered to explain to me, treat me like an adult, treat me like I was mm-hmm. smart. She didn't treat me like I was a little kid, and she always shared financial um, acumen with me. You know how to budget. She was very nice. strict about having a written budget, okay. and she had it on the table and. I could ask questions and she never mm. treated us like were untouchable topics as children. She always shared and uh, taught us to um, do those same things. Oh, that's wonderful to have that and seeing her working on a budget. And it doesn't sound like she was working on it all sweating. And kind of no, no, not at all. Nope. Nervous and, and uh, worried. Nope. Yep. And she, uh, and, you know, watching her and how she managed, we were paycheck to paycheck people. Um, Times weren't always good as they have been in the last few years. I mean, it was, uh, I don't want to date myself too much, but it was, you know, (laughs) late seventies and Mm eighties. And, uh, and and some of those years were not so the economy was tight and interest rates were really high and Mm -hmm. people just lived differently than, than they do now in terms of disposable income. And, we just didn't have a lot. So we, we knew what we had to spend and we were disciplined with it. The other thing that my parents, this is a mix of probably who they were and then also um, our upbringing in the church, but they were, they were generous, even though they might not have a lot. If anybody needed anything, they were the first person to give away what they had. Oh, wonderful. And um, that just, that principle alone helps you to realize that things are not as important as people. And I think those are some valuable lessons as well. And that's a money lesson. And then they were also big on uh, very disciplined, even when things were tight about giving to the church. And that was a value raised and, that's something that is a principle that they live by. And I, I believe that that's taken me a, a long way as well. Mm-hmm. That, that is absolutely wonderful. And so they 
it sounds like they taught you to give money and be careful with the money that you do have. You still have to spend some money. So a, a great yeah. money, money ethic and work ethic. So that's absolutely wonderful. And then the first person in your family to graduate from college. So what did yes. you do from that point when you went to college? What did you major in and why? So I had a non-traditional college experience. I went to, I started college when I left high school. I actually, I actually took some college courses before graduating high school with the full intent of going full time. And then I just made some different decisions that were probably not wise. And I got married too early and we moved to a different state for his job without realizing that out of state tuition was something that Mm. I couldn't afford at the time. So I didn't continue my education at that time, and I just worked full-time. And it, it was all good. I mean, I worked all of those years. I always dreamt about going to college because that was a goal of mine. I like education. I like school. I like learning. I'm kind of weird that way. Some people don't. <laughs> I do. That was great. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. I we, love we need school. to be lifelong learners, honestly. So that's yes, great. Yes. And um, when I was in my probably late 20s, early 30s, I fell into a sales position. And my first sales positions that I was ever, ever taken, they allowed me to realize that commission was something that you, you earn as much as you, it's pay for play, you, you get commission for it what you do. You don't have to rely on somebody else to give you your value. You create your own value based on what you can sell and the value you bring to organizations that you're with. And that's very entrepreneurial. Yes. And it's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I like money, right? So a lot of people do. (laughs) And uh, it allowed, and I did very well having no training at all, no real support, just what fell into some really nice uh, opportunities where I was able, my work ethic, probably not my skill at that point, because I had no training or experience, but my work ethic took me a long way. Oh, it sure can. And in that sales, those sales positions, what I lacked in skill, I made up for in, in hard work. And I was able to make um, at that time, a lot of money. And my first real sales job or my second real sales job, I doubled my income in two years. Wow. Great. And um, at that point I said, Hey, I have enough money to go to school. So I being a non-traditional student, I went in my early thirties and I finished school at um, uh, Park University in Parkville, Missouri. It's a terrific old private school. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the classroom experience and, going through, um, you know, doing homework on the weekends. That was tough, but I, I got my degree in three years, finished it. And then later in terms of my education, I always wanted to get a master's degree. And I did that also while I was working full time. And again, sales, being able to sell and that work ethic, Uh, was able to give me additional disposable income that I could get to pay for that schooling. Yeah, that's wonderful. The nice thing about sales is you get paid for results, not exactly time. And that is 
uh, a focus on this podcast is being able to work for results and not time, which is more for yourself. And in sales, when you said you fell into a sales position, can you give us more detail of how did you fall into that or how, how did that come about? Well, I was an operations manager at a publishing company. And I was the working nine to five and I was paid a salary. And I worked a lot of weekends and a lot of evenings. And I saw the salespeople and they weren't doing that. Oh. <laughs> they were making more than me. Oh. And so one day, <laughs> one day I went to the president of the company and I'm like, I said, hey, do you think I could sell? And he's like, yeah, you could sell. I, you know, I wanted to know if I had the ability, if he thought I had the ability. Mm -hmm. And I didn't apply for a job at that company. But when I left, I decided to sell as an independent contractor for another company. And I went straight 1099. I only got commission on what I sold. Mm -hmm. It was the toughest sale, the toughest, but the best job in the world. So I believe that that likely gave me the entrepreneurial bug, knowing that I had mm -hmm. the freedom to go and I just had to have one person tell me, yes, you can do this. Right. And then I, I went, I did it. So it was great. That is great. And that's key. You know, someone told you that yes. you can do it and it helps when we maybe are having a hard time telling ourselves that <laughs> when somebody else tells us, we believe it. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it is. It is. Sometimes hearing it from someone else. And again, our questions are important. So it's mm -hmm. great that you ask that question and you ask the right person. And what you and I are helping our friend listening is that she can do it too. She can make the change and sell because we're all selling something and we've all been sold something that we need. It's not even a negative thing. And I'm trying to undo all the negative connotations around selling because we need people to sell things to us. And some of the highest paid and most rewarding jobs are selling because you're working for results, not time and, yeah. and actually helping people buy what they need for their own life. So I think yeah. that's after absolutely wonderful. And I'm glad that you believe them. And also too, here you were working jobs and people aren't necessarily born being business owners or entrepreneurs. A lot of it is modeling, programming, what we're, what we experience, what people say to us. So that's, that's wonderful that happened for you. Yes. And I, when you mentioned that somebody told me that I could, I often wonder if I would have asked that question and he would have said no. I wonder if that would have changed my mind or if it would have made me more determined. But it's one thing I have learned in consulting, not to fast forward too much, but most of the people I work with that need to try something new and they haven't and maybe they're hesitant or afraid or fearful you just most of them honestly just need somebody to tell them that they can because they can't honestly yes. they can't yes. there's very few people that can't be an entrepreneur there's all types yes so knowing that 
you can and getting that confidence and finding, you know, finding where you're going to get that confidence from. If, if it's hard for you to do it on your own and you, you know, surround yourself with people that are going to re- be real with you and that you trust and uh, get multiple opinions. That's always good. People, people that are your friends, people that are um, mentors, having mentors in general is a is a really good idea. It is. So, because they will usually tell you, yes, you can. And then you'll have the confidence to go ahead and move forward where you might might not have before. Right. Or at least they can tell you where to grow because if they say, no, you can't do that, that yeah. just means, oh, there's just areas in your life to grow because everybody, in my opinion, can sell, since we are selling something, like I said, our, our time, gifts, talents, expertise, we are selling that either to a boss <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or for our own company, like you're doing now. It can, it can all be learned. And the only difference between us and some other people who maybe are making more money than we are just a different knowledge knowledge is a kind of of power and even clarity about what to do and uh so i'm glad you were told that and and i wonder like you said sometimes if you're told no you can't it's like "Mm, that change you makes you motivated to do it although that's not the best kind of motivation because it's always better to be able to make a change from joy and purpose rather than pain and suffering yeah so um yeah okay so let's keep going from there you in your second sales job okay you got your master's degree and what where did that lead you after that uh jumping back on the topic of education and also combining that with the topic of having confidence to move forward it's funny that I had, before I was in sales or even when I was in sales, I continually was able to, because of the network I was in likely, I was able to secure jobs that almost normally required a degree. Mm, okay. So I always felt like a, a lesser person mm. and I always tried to hide it. Like people the company everybody around me had degrees and there was actually one company i worked for and they required degrees to work at the company and i didn't Mm -hmm. have one. i slid in not because i deceived anybody but because somebody wanted me to work for them and they got me in Mm -hmm. but it's not something we advertised right we didn't like make it a big deal Mm -hmm. but i always felt less of a person because i didn't have that education and that's the only regret that I have about getting an education late is that I felt like a lesser person and that's that wasn't the case at all what going to college did for me was made me gave me the confidence Mm. that I really you know what what I knew already and what I had learned on the job and in life and in work ethic a lot of those things will take me places I loved the education part. It gave me the technical background. It gave me the framework. But those were all, none of those concepts were, those were such big things to me, having a degree, getting a master's. They were such big um, kind of idols in my life too, that I needed to achieve those before I could really be what I wanted to be. And that was absolutely not true. 
from an earnings perspective, I did very well before I even got a degree considering, um, you know, for, for where I was. Sure. And, um, you know, getting the degree, degree just gave me that confidence. I wish I would have continued to have that confidence prior to having that, but it was something in the back of my mind that I thought I had to do sure. in order to move forward. Sure. Well, it's our American culture. That's the that's the standard right now. And we're told you can't get a good job without a college degree. And then you did notice that well, certain jobs, they require a college degree. They say they do, but but that's not true. And it is unfortunate that not having a degree for some of us impacts our feelings of self-worth. And that's a lot of expense to go through to feel better when you still had the wherewithal and everything you had within you to to be successful, a successful entrepreneur. So, and that's one reason again for this podcast, let's, let's undo some Mm -hmm. myths. And a myth is you have to have a college degree or a master's to, to be somebody, to make more money, to have a better job or, but again, that's kind of keeps us under someone else's, uh, boss, uh, a boss using your time, sweat, tears, talent, and all of that right. to their idea, their idea of success. Exactly. And so I thank you for bringing that up because I want to take you back to that. You were making good money before you got that college degree, and I'm sure the college degree cost you some. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah. Definitely. So you had a lot of great experience. And what led up to what what did you start thinking? to start your Vine Consulting in 2016? When I was in the business world and in, um, I was on management teams in small companies. And I've been, my entire career has been in small to medium-sized companies. That's my experience. And those are the, the customers that I help now. And what that looks like is usually let's call it 50 people companies, 50 to 100 people in the company, maybe 150. Yeah, we're 50 to about 150. I'm thinking a little broader now. Mm -hmm. So those are small companies, Um, but they still are selling in the millions of dollars and doing deals with bigger companies. What I saw then around me was um, often I would see consultants come in and work with management and And then I would see, you know, other folks helping um, within our teams or I was able to help other people within the company as a um, peer and so on. But just seeing those other consultants come in, there's a lot of bad consultants out there. (laughs) They really are, you know, and they're good salespeople Mm. and they sell something and that may or may not help. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I can do better than that. So having a vision Mm -hmm. of they're, they're on their own. They're not necessarily superstars. You think consultants Mm -hmm. are, again, I had the idea that a consultant was some superstar that was (laughs) like so over the top great that they got paid for their advice. And that's not true either. You're, you're, the main thing that consultants are getting paid for is their experience mm-hmm. and what they have seen and what they have been through and how relevant that is to their audience. Good. So, and it's, it's just a different mindset. Again, I had head trash around that. They have to 
um, be like super smart, over the top geniuses because they get paid for their their thinking. And that was not the case at all. I saw a lot of marginal people getting paid a lot of money for their thinking. I mm. thought I can do that and I can do a better job. So I had the vision for it. Good. But actually pulling the trigger was so scary because a real what I quote, call a quote unquote a real job where you are on payroll and you're mm-hmm. with a team and you're getting paid a salary is so much more secure most of the time not all of the time yeah it feels secure Um, sure yeah but that first job i had where i sold straight commission gave me that entrepreneurial bug because i was 100 percent my own company i worked when i wanted and i made money when i wanted Mm -hmm. and that could apply to anything other than sales that could apply to whatever skill somebody has whatever craft they have whatever it is they need to do as an entrepreneur, I really liked the idea of getting to choose my schedule, getting to earn, you know, my earning, my value, and what I got paid was based on how much I worked right. or how smart I worked yeah. versus what somebody else thought. Right. And it was very freeing. I left that and went back to corporate America because I had, it was, it was one of the recessions. I had to do that. It was just a, a, a decision that we needed to make for our family. And I always wanted to go out on my own and consult on my own. I was always afraid to do it, always afraid to do it, always afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I finally did it. And that was three and a half years ago. And I said, what took me? <laughs> I knew in six months that I should have made this decision five years earlier. Sure. Yeah. The the looking back, that's okay. So this is what I really loved what you said is when you were working, you saw other things going on in the company with some consultants. So it's good to be looking around to be aware of what's going on, not just, okay, this is my job. This is all I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to understand the company I'm working for. It's you, that was great. You were aware of your surroundings, how the company was run. And that's a good tip for our friend listening is be aware. Or if you're not employed now, look back. How was that company run? It's important to know these things. And then you said to yourself, I can do better than that. Our conversations with ourselves are really important. And then your paradigm where you thought consultants were superstars, that got shifted around since you saw some consultants that weren't worth their whatever they were charging, (laughs) I kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And as a consultant, you do get paid for your experience. And I appreciate what you said about it is scary to pull the trigger, but I hear over and over and over from women and many of my guests I wish I had done this sooner. That's interesting. I'm (laughs) sure you hear that a lot interviewing (laughs) folks. Yeah. So uh, sometimes you feel the fear, but you just go for it anyway. Kind of an act of faith. I, my daughter, 
I, I would tell her she got, when she was 19, she came down with lupus. And I, I kept telling her, oh, you're going to be healed. God's going to heal you. This is, we're just going to go in faith. But faith doesn't feel strong. We, when we think of faith, it's, oh, yeah, you know, if you feel strong and you know it's going to happen. And no, not not really. <laughs> no, that's that's not true. It it just acts. It just goes ahead. And so I think that's wonderful that you did that when pulling the trigger. So tell us the process that you did that and becoming your own consultant and business owner like that. It's probably not as glamorous as it could be, but I'm sure a lot of people share that are in consulting now share my sentiments when it comes to the reasons why and the timing. I was in a senior management position with a software firm and had a large team that was national and I was flying all over the country. I got to the point where I was tired of I had been doing this for a while. It felt like a rerun. I needed something fresh. The The company didn't share the value. Suddenly, my values on how I did business with people was important to be more important to me. And I wanted to do business with people in a way that made me feel good about what I was doing as opposed to me doing what I was told based on the values of the organization I was working with. Mm-hmm. And... I decided I had just, I was just tired. I was just tired of of playing by the rules Mm. of the companies that I worked for. And I didn't necessarily always agree. And I wanted to be able to leave and do my own thing. And I felt the timing was really um, perfect for doing that. I had an opportunity to, take a few months I had given myself I gave myself and this is important this is real important I had done well the year before in sales the last couple of years and we were able to save enough money for me to cover what I normally would have made in a year and I gave myself a year cushion to start a business and and develop it right a lot of people that and advice that's out there on the internet and through other financial people and business owners tell you if you need the money, you you need the income, make sure you have enough savings to cover maybe six months to a year while you're getting your business going based on your plan. That's not always um, available to people. No. But it it is optimal to do that. It gives you the ability to focus on doing the work that you want to do as opposed to being desperate and trying to make money. Um, and that a lot for me, that allowed me to focus on my customers and bringing value to them as opposed to just selling the next thing, Mm -hmm. which is what good sales is about anyway, bringing value to your customers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in starting your own consulting company, you basically, of course you quit, quit your other job. And what did you do from there thinking, okay, I can do this. So now I'm my own company. How did you do that? Basically, I started, I, I established an LLC 
I did that. I had to do all of the research on my own. I went to the internet. Thank God for the internet these days. I don't know what people did before that. Mm -hmm. I guess they went to the library. (laughs) But, you know, I looked up how to start a business, how to start a consulting firm, did a lot of reading. I talked to friends that already were self-employed, had successful businesses, got lots of advice. There's a lot of, I think there's a Bible verse that talks about how you you know, you need to surround yourself with good counsel. So I had I had people I went to and said, hey, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for me? And, ha- and just had those mentors and those people in my life that I admired that were doing something similar to what I was doing. And I got their input. And that's actually, that's very encouraging to see yes. that somebody else is doing it and understand their story. Yeah, that's huge right there. So researching and but talking and, to somebody's doing that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, whether you have an LLC or not just depends on what type of business you're in. It's basically there for give you credibility as an organization that you're an organized company. And it also gives you um, some protections legally and that may or may not be needed, depending, again, on what type of business you're in. Um, right. But LLC can, stands for limited liability company for those that don't so for yes. those that don't know. OK. Yes. And even if you're, if you're doing work for other businesses or individuals, um, it's best to have that to protect yourself legally. If you're working directly for companies doing contract work, you can work on a 1099 basis, meaning you're a subcontractor. And it's not necessary to run out and get an LLC right away. It's just um, an added protection, again, legally. Right. And what you would do is write up a proposal to them. This is the work I'll do. This is how much I'll charge. And then once you do that work and they pay you, that that's what we call a 1099 is now they pay you. And then when you yes. go to do your taxes, that's what you're given is that 1099 showing that you earned that money from that company and you might have three or four 1099s yes all right that's wonderful anything else you want to add that we haven't covered any other feelings or thoughts you had or where are you on time we have just a couple more minutes so okay. let's uh, maybe talk about how glad you are that you did this. <laughs> I made that scary yeah. jump. <laughs> it is. It is a scary jump. But again, I will, if you have that vision, I had that vision. I had it in my gut for a long time. And at some point, you have to do that for yourself. Because I also came to the realization that I didn't want to end my career and not ever know, not having mm. I didn't want to ever not try, right? Mm-hmm. I never didn't want to end my career at a company and say, wow, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have been out on my own. Would I have been more fulfilled? Would it, mm-hmm. you know, what would it have been like? And then the uh, the other thing is don't be afraid to fail. I think fear of failure yes. was one of my big things and can't do that. Not all, you look at all the stories of all the great companies and entrepreneurs and right. there's tons of stories out there about successful wildly successful business people that failed and failed and failed before they got it right. right. And um, That's don't true. let fear of failure get in your way and, and, and find confidence. You, anybody can do what, you know, most people can do anything that they would like to do if they have the desire and the drive and the passion. That's the number one thing needed. 
Yes, that is really true. And some people fear success. I know I feared success before. Oh, I might lose my friends if I'm making all this money and and they're not. (laughs) So believe it or not, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of the unknown, uncertainty, insecurity, because I know as women in general, we we like the security and and safety. Mm-hmm. So this yeah, was... that's, I've never thought of that. That's real. Um, that was never a fear of mine, fear of being too successful. So. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I would just probably get new friends if they didn't like it. Okay. No. <laughs> and that's true, though, too. It, that's true. It is. There's a lot of and, wonderful people out there if, because if your friends are rejecting you because you're more successful, mm-hmm. then probably you need new friends. You do. You do. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. That's another great principle is who you surround yourself. It's like the five people that you surround yourself with or talk to or communicate with the most. Right. um, You're going to be more like them. That's right. So make sure you get some people around you that you want to be like them versus people that are maybe not so much like you want to be. Right. And that is so key. And I know, I'm not sure what episode it is, but I did talk about how, what can you do to get around those people, the more successful people that you want to be like, because they're out there, we're out there and, and we do care. So this was absolutely wonderful, Trish. Thank you for sharing with our friends listening. And hopefully this gave her some good confidence and thoughts and ideas of taking her expertise and working for herself. So thank you very much. I hope so too. Thank you, Nora. Okay. Bye for now. Well, my friend, thank you for letting me be with you today. Please leave a review so that women that need help can find this podcast. I am Nora Ellen, your host. See you next time on Women Starting Over.